Welcome to episode 22 of the Listening Brain Podcast. Welcome to the Listening Brain. I'm your host, Todd Houston. In this podcast, we explore childhood hearing loss through the lives of the parents and families who are on this journey and the professionals who serve them. Hi, it's Todd Houston again. I just wanted to invite you to become a content creator for the 3C Digital Media Network. We want to really ramp up what we have to offer in 2021, this new year that we find ourselves in. So please reach out to us if you have ideas for webinars, courses, or even maybe a new podcast that you'd like to develop. Reach out to me at Todd at 3CDigitalMediaNetwork.com and I'll be in touch. Thanks. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jennifer Borgatti. Jennifer is a wife and mother of two young boys, ages five and two. Her youngest son was born deaf and wears bilateral cochlear implants. Her family is based in Northern California where her sons attend an oral school for deaf and hard-of-hearing children. Prior to becoming a mom, she graduated from the University of Tennessee and worked professionally in medical sales. Jennifer now helps families of deaf and hard-of-hearing babies as a parent mentor. She also writes a blog called The Cochlear Mom, where she offers support and advice for families on the journey of raising a child with hearing loss. Jennifer is passionate about advocating for deaf and hard of hearing kids and proving that they are capable of anything. Here's my conversation with Jennifer, the cochlear mom. Well, Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Tell me about your family and your your family's journey. Sure. So my husband and I have two sons. Um, Our oldest turned five um, in January and he has typical hearing. And then our youngest turns three next month. And he was born with severe to profound sensory neural hearing loss, uh, bilateral. And um, we were shocked when we received his diagnosis. Um, I expected to have another son, just like my older son. And um, so to not pass the newborn hearing screening in the hospital was a big surprise for us. And um, we, our family has built in support for um, having a child with hearing loss though, which I'm very thankful for. So I'll explain that a little bit since you're asking about my family. Mm -hmm. Um, So my father-in-law was born deaf. Um, He uses sign language only. Um, So my husband is a CODA. And um, my mother-in-law, so my husband's dad, uh, my husband's mom, um, is a speech therapist. Um, and her sister, who is my son's, both of their, my son's godmother, is also a speech therapist. <laughs> and um, so they, that support's been great for us. But we, um, that's a little bit about what our, you know, family dynamic looks like. Um, we were just, we're lucky to have those support systems um, built in. That's wonderful to have those family members. 
who have knowledge of deafness and, and language development and communication. Uh, I'm, I yes. did read a little bit on your website. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Uh, so your your father-in-law is deaf, uh, has been deaf his whole life, and his first uh, language is ASL, right? And so was your husband, I read, I think, yes. uh, was ASL, correct? Yes, was his first language, yep. And then uh, obviously spoken English. Mm-hmm. And your your uh, father-in-law has been supportive of uh, your choices in terms of uh, education yes, and sure. technology. 100%. And he says that he, he wishes he could get a cochlear implant. It just, he was born at a different time and um, he's very mm-hmm. set and used to not hearing and using ASL to communicate. So um, he's been very supportive of Nico though, this whole entire time um, mm-hmm. wants to read about cochlear implants. Anytime I get new material, um, he, Nico ha- uses uh, cochlear America's uh, N7s, um, cochlear implants. Uh, for his processors. And anytime I receive new material, he wants to read about it. Um, he He's very supportive. And really, when it comes to, you know, that there is that controversy, um, unfortunately, that's, that's out there. Um, his opinion is the only sure. one that matters to me, because he is a member of our family. And if he supports his <laughs> grandson, Good. and he's proud of him sure. and happy for him and encourages him, then that's, that means everything to me. Sure. You know, I think it's uh, admirable because, you know, sometimes I see deaf adults in that situation would say, oh, it didn't work for me, so it's not going to work for children today. And they sort of compare their experiences, which are are sometimes quite tragic in, in terms of what they had to go through. But I've always thought, well, what you experienced all those years ago isn't the same of, as what we can do today. And so it's a very different world. Uh, and so it's really like comparing apples and oranges. So it's great that he sees that, that today is a very different landscape in terms of what's available, you know, the early identification like you guys had, the technology, the schools, everything is very, very different than when he was growing up. Yeah, 60 plus years ago. It's it's yeah. a completely different environment, different technology. And um, yeah, it's been really nice that he has been so supportive. And we actually went through genetic testing um, after we had Nico and it came back um, that he has connects in 26, well, our family does. And that was information for all of us because mm-hmm. my um, husband's family uh, they thought that his dad was born deaf because his mom was sick while she was pregnant with him. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And um, so my father-in-law and my youngest son, Nico, they have a genetic connection that mm-hmm. is wonderful and one that I'll never be able to understand as well as both of them do together. So it's been really um, eye-opening, I think, for all of us as a family and I'm, I'm really, it was nerve wracking to go through that and do and decide to do genetic testing because you don't know it's going to be found. Um, but I'm really happy that we did because mm-hmm. it was just information for everybody. All right. Exactly. You know, I, I wonder, you know, his, his mother, mm-hmm. the grandmother. Yeah. My uh, husband's yeah. grandma. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I wonder how much guilt 
she felt because we often read about how moms feel a lot of guilt because they give birth to the child who, you know, has special needs or is later diagnosed with hearing loss. And for, and we know now that it was had nothing to do with her getting sick. Nope. It was nothing she could have prevented. But she maybe lived her whole life thinking it was my fault. I got sick at, you know, three months when I was, you know, whatever it was, you know. And and she probably carried that all her life, that it was something that she did or maybe she could have prevented. And so she, she probably carried that weight with her. Yeah, it's and, and that guilt. I, mean, we, I, I, I don't feel it anymore, but I remember feeling that right after Nico was born, thinking, did I do something wrong? What mm-hmm. happened? Of course, this mm-hmm. was before we had the genetic testing. And that's I talked to a lot of families that, you know, they are mm-hmm. fresh out of the hospital with some of these failed ABRs and they feel the same way. And there is that Mm -hmm. grieving period that you have to go through as a mother. And um, it's something when you receive that news, I've never been so shocked in my life. I I really, I did Mm -hmm. not know that this was going to happen. And, um, but that's okay to feel that way. Um, There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your baby. This is just, you're now on a different path than maybe you thought you were going to be on, but it is a wonderful, wonderful journey. One I wouldn't change in an instant because you get to appreciate so many things. Just these children are capable of anything. And it's, it's wonderful to be able to see that right before your eyes. And I think that's what I try to help families focus on is picking themselves back up and start moving forward and advocating for your child because you have to, you are the best person to do that. And um, yeah, so it's, she did feel grief and um, guilt from that diagnosis. And he, my father-in-law was sort of three or four years old when he was diagnosed. So it was a a late diagnosis as it was many times back Mm -hmm. then. So it it was definitely a different, different time in a different world. Um, and it's, but he has had a wonderful career. He's retired now, but he, um, designed cars for Nissan, the, uh, clay shaping mm-hmm. that they show on the commercials, mm-hmm. which, um, he's so creative and, uh, it's just, it's so nice for my son to see that example too, because we have friends and family members, obviously that have cochlear implants and that are amplified and, mm-hmm. and use spoken English, but then to have a grandpa, too, that is deaf and has had a, a wonderful career and life you know, without being able to hear too, is, is great for him to see that and um, have the full support of everybody. Well, I, I love the photograph of him, uh, the fishing, yes. you know, they're fishing together. Yes. I just love that photograph and I encourage anyone who's listening to go see, check out your website and just go find the, the photo of grandpa with Nico, Nico, uh, sitting with, next uh, to fishing him. on the bank there. Yeah. yeah, it's just really great. I was hiding behind really a tree great. to take that picture. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> oh, this is such a precious moment, and I didn't want to miss it. Right. And we were camping, and that's one of our favorite activities to do as a family. And Dana, my father-in-law, always comes with us, and um, it it's just that, like I said earlier, that connection that they have is just is amazing. So it's thank mm-hmm. you. I love that picture. <laughs> Yeah, it is wonderful. So you guys get the diagnosis and talk to me a little bit about the services that you guys, that journey of getting services in place uh, for Nico and 
and how that went. You, you mentioned being an advocate. Yes. Um, I did uh, see uh, on your website, you talked about the ABR was going to be weeks out and then you, you had to fight to get uh, an earlier test done. But talk to me about the services you guys have gotten since diagnosis and, and how that has gone. Sure. So yeah, as we were, you know, being discharged from the hospital um, was when he didn't pass the hearing screening again. And they said, well, you know, we'll set you up for a follow-up ABR. And it was months away. And that's not an option for me as a parent to know, to not know if my child could hear me. And um, so I actually, I stayed an extra night in the hospital. So they would give him another chance to pass the newborn hearing screening um, in the quiet nursery. He didn't pass. And so we were discharged, not knowing what was ahead of us. And um, I had an appointment um, for a follow-up ABR, but like you said, it was months out. And so I called them I got put on a cancel list um, to receive hopefully a phone call when someone canceled. And that very next week we had an appointment. So he was 10 days old when he had his follow-up ABR and it was confirmed that severe to profound. Actually at that point, the first ABR was profound, no responses at all um, across the board. And that was just one of the lowest of the low points and because you're holding this child and you don't, the future is so unknown. Um, and yet the pure innocence in the 10 day old baby, it's just um, unbearable at times to not know. Um, and so at that point we started looking into what kind of programs were in the area? What could we do to educate ourselves? I remember we went to Barnes and Noble and we bought books and <laughs> my husband and I just started reading mm-hmm. and, you know, Luckily, we had his mo- his mom and her sister to call a speech therapist to start talking to them about it. Um, but we found a school in our area, and th- it was actually mentioned to us um, by the, I believe she was an audiology intern or a tech that administered the mm-hmm. ABR at the ENT office. Mm-hmm. And she said, have you heard of chat? And I said, no, why would I? No, I have no idea what that is. Mm-hmm. And so we looked up CHAT, which is an oral program school that's in Sacramento. Um, and I also got linked in with obviously our, our county services. So early start. Mm-hmm. And um, we at 10, at 10 days old, we had that information. And then we started receiving services from our county, from the infant development early start program. But we also started attending CHAT. And um, chat had a grant that allowed us to attend. We kind of double dipped essentially on Mm -hmm. um, our services because my approach was anything and everything all in. I'll double dip on any kind of services that we can receive that will help him. Um, And at Mm -hmm. this time I was still working um, full time. And so he was going back into daycare with my older son, which was a small in-home daycare, but I had my county services happening inside the daycare. And then I would pick him up and bring him to chat also. Um, and we attended the baby and me class um, at chat um, starting at when he was three weeks old. And um, so we, wow. yeah, so we were doing everything, <laughs> but all I kept hearing about was the language window zero to three, mm. got to get it in here while you can. And so it, mm. I knew that kind of dropping everything was what we needed to do and to be around as many professionals as we could. Um, and that's, you know, really when we were at chat and we started really 
learning a lot about listening and spoken language and, you know, using that um, avenue, you know, as, as an option for us. Mm -hmm. And um, Nico just, he flourished and he's, he did so well. And um, it just was the perfect fit for our family. And so, yeah, so we, we received a lot of services. We're fortunate that we live in an area where we have an abundance available to us. I feel for the families that don't, um, but then, you know, those parents have to become those um, almost interim professionals to educate themselves <laughs> on what their child needs. Right. And, and the parents become uh, the first, the child's first teachers, really, you know, as, you mm-hmm. know, the language models and communication and, reinforcing everything throughout the day right and absolutely uh, it's a way of life as most as, as other parents have, have talked to me about it, it is it becomes it becomes your life and I mm-hmm. um, ahead of Nico receiving his first cochlear implant he received his right side on um, when he was 12 months old so when he was a year old um, a month before his surgery I quit my job um, my full-time job and um, because I knew that all of his speech services and everything was going to ramp up and that I couldn't continue to be the level of a working professional that I wanted to be and the level of mom that I wanted to be. And so I mm-hmm. thought, you know, this, he's going to be my job. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, and I back, I mean, it's been 100% the best decision for us as a family. And that allowed me to be very present at school, um, observe him in class. Uh, unfortunately, I can't now because of COVID, but um, last year we were allowed in. Um, we'll get back to that eventually, I'm sure. But right, um, right. yeah, it's uh, it really, it is a sacrifice. But I think for some of these children, um, including my own, it was the best decision for us as a family. And, and Nico has bilateral implants now, correct? Yes. yes. Um, and so he's in he's yes. in chat and doing well. And uh, so how is he communicating today? Oh my gosh, full sentences. Um, he he when he yeah when he wants to get wow. out of his car seat, he says, "Get me out of here." <laughs> and uh, he he just you know we're working on um, him saying please when he's asking for things. I mean he's. Uh, he can tell you about his day. Um, he says, mom, do you know how much I love you? And then I'll say, no, what? And he says so much. And so it's, he is, he's fully caught up um, to his hearing peers. We've just gone through um, his testing um, ahead of his third birthday next month. And he is just doing so well. And his language, his, his voice, his speech, it's, it's beautiful. And I'm so thankful. And it's been a lot of work, but he, you know, on our part, but also on his, and I'm so proud of him because he works so hard at it. And, you know, it's also, you know, we talk about us as moms and dads and what we do to sacrifice, but my older son, my five-year-old, he goes to chat. Also, he's in the pre-K class as a language model even though he does not have hearing loss, siblings are allowed to attend. And um, he knows his ling sounds. He works with Nico with his ling sounds. And he'll ask him, oh, Nico, can you say this? And ask Nico to repeat whatever he's saying. And he's all in too. And I'm so proud of my older son also for really 
adopting all of this as his life and um, to have a little brother that needs a little bit of extra support can be difficult. And he hasn't missed a beat. And um, he's a huge part of Nico's success too, Mm -hmm. because those two are best friends and (laughs) they're only two years apart. So they spend every moment together. So um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And at chat, we're so lucky because he receives daily speech therapy. Um, that's part of the services that they offer. They have audiology on site Mm -hmm. too, which is amazing. Um, and he's around peers where he sees other cochlear implants and hearing needs, and he knows how to put them on by himself. He knows how to connect himself to the Roger system that's in his classroom. He says, connect me. If you ask him, um, when he connects, he says, I heard the beep. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, he's just going to be in such a great place to mainstream out to our neighborhood school. Um, and we're just so, so thankful. Well, it, it sounds like he's, he's doing all the right things and, and you guys have done all the right things so that he can be successful. So that is, that's wonderful. I, I wanted to talk about the website and, and your, your um, alias now, the cochlear mom. <laughs> yes. which is great. Um, And so what do you want to achieve with the website, which I think is wonderful? Thank you. I want people to feel like they have the level of community that I have here in my local area of Sacramento, in my school and this uh, chat. I mean, I am surrounded by parents on a daily basis that are going through exactly the same thing that we're going through. And I get to see them in person. And I get to say, you know, gosh, this bike helmet, I cannot get this thing to work. It always knocks this magnet off. What helmet do you use? And just things like that. Um, oh, I, you know, I forgot a battery. Do you have an extra rechargeable battery that I could use? Having that kind of community is so critical for us as parents because it's hard and it is life-changing. And to be su- surrounded by a support system that believes in you as a parent and believes in your child, then the, who's going to benefit is our children and our future. Right. And what's better than that? And I am so lucky to have all this. And I want people to feel like they have this same level of community, even if they're in Ohio, like you, and they're in different states. Mm-hmm. And I just, right. I, I want to let people know that they're not alone. And that's why I wanted to start the blog, The Cochlear Mom, because I have learned a lot over the last three years and um, it's been just so nice to be able to share that level of support with other families. And just even with my, what I've learned from my family, from my mother-in-law, from the boys' godmother as speech therapists, and what I've learned from my father-in-law, you know, being, you know, a member of the deaf community and um, from my husband growing up, you know, with a deaf father. I mean, it's, there's, I have so much information to pull on here that I felt the need to share it with others. And um, it's been great so, so far. It's just a really nice outlet to reach other people. I was extremely impressed with what you've done with the website or your blog and and enjoyed reading uh, most most of everything that was posted. So I, I really you know, appreciate everything that you're doing. And, and it takes some courage sometimes to share your family's journey and and kind of let it all be out there for everyone to to receive and consume. And and I hope everyone sees it as this 
in the spirit that it is presented as being helpful. And if it's not your cup of tea, then move on. You don't have to, you don't have to, you know, say anything <laughs> or do anything. Uh, but exactly. if it is helpful, it's there for you. And, uh, and I think that's wonderful. We have to choose the best option for each child, right? So just because this is what's worked best for my son doesn't mean right. it will for yours. It, it really depends. And um, children learn differently and um, they respond differently to different mm -hmm. languages. So yeah, absolutely. This is just an example of what has worked well for me. But um, I think the parents parents ultimately are the best mm -hmm. at deciding what's what's best for their children and um so yeah it's uh it's it's been great and i i look forward to sharing more and i'm going to do i learned all about um listening and spoken language strategies in baby and me and so um you know i know all mm -hmm. about you know expectant look and right. auditory sandwich and <laughs> uh wait time and mother ease and all of that and so I look forward to sharing more of that on the blog too, you know, as I continue to publish new posts and um, because that's something that's just become second nature to mm -hmm. us now, um, almost narrating our life. I th think of myself mm -hmm. as I like to watch sports. So, you know, I'm the mm -hmm. announcer who is saying who's got the ball next and this person's running towards this end right. zone. And um, so that's how we, that's just how we operate now. Mm -hmm. It's become second nature. And I think it's been a huge part of Nico's success. So mm -hmm. I look forward to sharing more and, and connecting more. It'll be great. Yeah, that would be wonderful. And I, I'll have to recruit you to be a grad student in, in speech language pathology. You know, that's, you could come right what, in. That's what my mother-in-law says. I said, oh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm ready to go back to school yet. <laughs> I have a third one in the family that's you know out there doing stuff. Right, right. It's it's been it's it's a wonderful field. I, I just I had no idea. I'm happy happy I was thrust into it. <laughs> well, I wish you nothing but the best of luck with everything that you're doing, but also with Nico and your whole family. And uh, and hopefully in another year or two, I'll have you back on, and we'll we'll get an update on how he's doing. That would be great. Yeah, hopefully he'll be mainstreaming for kindergarten and it'll be a whole new, um, you know, journey for us. Um, but one that I know will be prepared for and, and ready for. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. It was a real pleasure speaking with Jennifer and learning more about her family. And of course, learning more about Nico. You can follow their journey on her website at thecochleermom.com. So if you want to read more about uh, what's going on with Nico and some of the other things that have occurred, go check out what Jennifer has to say on her wonderful, wonderful website and blog. And thank you for joining us for this episode. We really appreciate you being a subscriber and a listener. If you don't mind, please leave us a five-star review. That helps us to attract new listeners and to grow this podcast and to reach more people, which is what it's all about. And with that, until next time, stay safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.